0: John Harper was also a widow. His wife had recently died. So, by him giving his daughter over to put her on boat number 11, giving up his life jacket, his daughter would know no parents. (laughs) Is your Jesus real? Is hell real? This morning, I want to open us up in a word of prayer, but I also want to look. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Why do we do missions? Why do we do evangelism? I want to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before your throne, and Lord, I thank you. What a marvelous Savior you are. God, I thank you. For the testimony so many years ago, of John Harper, who was so burdened with people knowing the truth of Jesus and being reconciled to the God who loves them and desires them to put their faith in Him through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that Jesus would be real to us. That He's not just a Sunday school story. That He's not just an Easter remembrance But he's the daily reality. He's the daily guide. He's my Savior. Lord, may we put him first in our lives. As he so rightly deserves. And so Lord, I commit this morning to thee. I love you. Lord, as we'll have missions conference this week. God, I pray you'd stir our hearts for our family and friends that do not know Christ, that, Lord, they would be saved, and, Lord, that you'd give us witnessing opportunities. I also pray, Lord, that you enlarge our vision for world missions so that others can hear the wonderful truth of Jesus loves you, and that they would put their faith in a God who will make us whiter than snow. Lord, I yield it all to thee. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 23 in your Bibles this morning. In a Christian life, as we we all go through tough times, death of loved ones, cancer, loss of a job, loss of a child, marital struggles, etc. But as Christians, we have an outside source to aid and empower us. It is this power which the world is looking for, yet So few proclaim, and yet so few would even realize they need. In Acts 16, 23, Paul and Silas put in prison for preaching the gospel. Verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and The prisoners heard them, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's all too often that Christians and those regularly attending church are disgruntled embittered because of things they see in life. Things don't, didn't go as I, I wanted them to. Some may even quit on God. Some may fail to tell others of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this morning is God allowing you to face adversity that you can be a beacon of hope to those who, have, who don't know the King of Hope. As Christians, we, have a li- we must be a light to the lost world to show how a person with such calamities as Job would maintain a faith in God and maintain a positive outlook. Much like John Harper in the video I showed, a man who had to make a decision, I will either take my daughter and put her under a boat, or I might, and I will get on that boat, or I will risk it all to see one more person see Jesus Christ in heaven one day. Is it in your mindset that God may be allowing you to go through the trials you're going through because of a neighbor, a coworker? A family member is watching how you deal with those struggles. This morning I want to take a look at the hopelessness of our world and the hope in God's word and compel you that the answer is Jesus. Realize this, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a steward. Much like a librarian is a steward of the books in the library, we as a believer are the stewards of the gospel message. Not only to only have it on the shelves, but to disseminate it, much like a radio would. In First Corinthians chapter four, verse one. Look with me here, first Corinthians four, one and two. We'll come back to Acts sixteen. But first Corinthians chapter four. Verses one and two. So you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, 1st Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, trials and tribulations, all of us struggle with things in life. We all have challenges. But it's in the midst of these trials that the Gospel is the power of God. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. As one Lewis Sperry Schaeffer would write, a theologian, saving faith must thus be defined as voluntary turning from all hope and grounds based on self-merit, and assuming an attitude of expectancy towards God, trusting him to do a perfect saving works, work based only on the merit of Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ, salvation, is I trust that I, I can't be good enough to get to heaven. There's no merit. I'm not good enough to get to Jesus. And exclusively on the shed blood of Jesus Christ on that cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and he paid it all. That all of us are all guilty And let the glory of Christ and his good news be your herald of hope to a despairing world. I want to think several things as we go back here in this passage of Scripture. The world's concept of Jesus. Remember that the world is a concept of what a Christian ought to be like. Some churches may preach Jesus as uh, as 2 Corinthians 11.4 talks about. He, He mentions another gospel. Some might say, well... It's our responsibility as believers to go out and help people to have good drinking water and good food. Nothing inherently wrong with that, but that's not the gospel. And as you look at Acts chapter 17, if you're there in Acts 16, go to Acts 17. Verse 22, Paul is on Mars Hill. To some very superstitious people that believe essentially, that all gods will lead you to the same conclusion. All religions lead to the same conclusion. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. That kind of idea. In verse 22 of Acts 17, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. I find myself still doing it. I don't know why I do it. But you ever have something and you say something you're like, Oh, knock on wood? Right. I guess we get used to that, right? But what is the knocking on wood really going to do? I mean, is there not a God in heaven? I mean, it's not like there's some deity that's going to change it by knocking on wood, right? I mean, it, I don't know why we do it, but it's a superstition, and it has no effect. But we've somehow adopted that in our thinking. But Paul is saying, you're so superstitious. I mean, they have a whole bunch of gods. Well, if this god doesn't do, well, I guess more gods are better because then, you know, and then in verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown god, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. They said, well, we have all these gods, but let's make an unknown god just in case we miss one god. We're going to make a god to an unknown god. Because, hey, at least we're given still some homage to the God that we don't even know about. And, you know, sometimes we, we deal with that. Well, I, I'll pick and choose, and here and there, and, you know. But, is that what the Bible talks about? But understand this, that the world is watching us if we say Jesus is the only way, John fourteen six. You say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh from the Father but by me. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, the world is watching. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, our world, our culture, and our media is quick to condemn a Christian leader, a pastor, etc., especially if that Leader falls into unethical practices or into practices which are unbiblical. I want to read a little illustration for you. You know what? It's kind of an—it's uh, kind of one of those humbling moments. I don't know if you've ever had anyone tell you. Um, I have, and they said Christians ought not to do that. And they're not a believer. And you know what? It's kind of like, who are you to tell me? You're not even a believer. How do you know? <laughs> right? But in their conscience, there are certain things Christians ought not to do. And we can preach the message of Jesus, and we think no one's listening. I want to read for you an illustration that declares otherwise. During her second year in Yang Chen, Gladys, Gladys Aylward, was summoned by the Mandarin. This is there in China. A riot had broken out in men's prison. She arrived and found that the convicts were rampaging in the prison courtyard. And several of them had been killed. The soldiers were afraid to intervene. The warden of the prison said to Gladys, Go into the yard and stop the rioting. She was a very, very short British woman. She said, How can I do that? The warden said, You've been preaching that those who trust in Christ have nothing to fear. (laughs) Touché. She walks in the courtyard and shouted, Quiet! I cannot hear when everyone is shouting at once. Choose one or two spokesmen and let me talk with them. The men quieted down and chose a spokesman. Gladys talked with him and then came out and told the warden, You have these men cooped up in crowded conditions with absolutely nothing to do. No wonder they are so edgy that a small dispute sets off a riot. You must give them work. Also, I am told that you do not supply food for them. So they only have what their relatives send them. No wonder they fight over food. We will set up looms so that they can weave cloth and earn enough money to buy their own food. This was done. There was no money for sweeping reforms, but a few friends of the warden donated old looms and a grindstone so that the men could work grinding grain. The people began to call Gladys Aylward Day," which means virtuous one. It was her name from then on. She would end up going on during World War II to lead over a hundred orphans across the mountains of China into safety, from which she was so sick that she would be bedridden, as I recall, for a year afterwards. She was so sick. You know, that's, the world is watching us. And it is a, a bad testimony as we preach Christ, and yet the same sense we exercise differently than what we preach. Now, I want to ask you, is your faith real enough that when you go through the trials, the lost or the unchurched, repeat godly principles to you? Hey, you were just saying this about Jesus. Is this true or not? Now, the example, the world's despair, we look here in this situation, obviously, in Acts 16. This jailer is quite despairing. I mean, he's going to kill himself. He's going to pull out a sword. Now, I want to ask you a question here. In the world's despair... Here's the jailer with the sword and a corrupt government. Right? It's a very corrupt government. I mean, they're just out preaching Jesus and they throw him in jail. The jailer's going to kill himself. And you know what many of us might be thinking? Freedom! Freedom! I'm out of here. The jailer's gone. The doors are open. Let's hightail it out of here. Right? I mean, that's the thinking. John Harper, there on the Titanic, going down. I have freedom. I can get on the lifeboat. I have access to the lifeboat. He was urged. If you look at other stories more comprehensive, he was urged to get on, but he didn't. There was people in Jesus' day, the woman with a perpetual illness, an issue of blood. She had gone. She'd used up all of her money going to the doctor's she goes to Jesus, understandings, puts faith in him, and she touches him. And in Luke 8, Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. This is verses 43 through 48. For I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause he had touched him. She had touched him. And how she was healed immediately, and he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in, go in peace. The maniac of Gadara, I mean a man with demons, they chained him up because he was such a public nuisance. And He cries out to Jesus and fell down before him, and then the demons speak, Jesus, thou Son of God, Most High, I beseech thee, torment me not. And Jesus would cast those demons out and give deliverance. I want to ask you today, is your Jesus real and the fact that Jesus is really the people's, is Jesus really the answer for people's problems? Here's a second question. Does our world really suffer? I think you would have to, we'd have to be blind to say, no, the world does suffer. Yes. There's a story Many, many years ago, in CNN, they had it, in St. Paul, Minnesota, it's been over seven years since Marion Hagerman has been spoken to anyone in his family. As he huddles behind a parked trailer on a cold early spring day, Hagerman reflects on his life and recalls what led him to this moment. This is my lifestyle, says Hagerman, who's 54 years of age. While sneaking a swig of what he calls wash or mouthwash, a cheap way of getting intoxicated, he said, it ain't much, but this is what I have. He says he, has, he held a steady job for 20 years before his addiction to alcohol took over his life. Today, Hagerman lives in a residence in St. Paul, Minnesota, along with 60 other late-stage alcoholics. The place where he lives receives funds from the state and, and the Catholic Church. It's known as a wet house because Hagerman and the others are allowed to drink on site with, with some caveats, including no mouthwash. It's not bad, he says. I got table, cable TV. You can't drink in your room, but you can drink. You've got to do it outside. The theory is that it's better to allow these guys to drink in a safe place than to end up on the streets and in the city's emergency room, jails, and detox centers. At this place, they have access to nurses and doctors if the situation warrants, plus on-site case managers to aid in their addiction. Ideally, this place, the counselors want the residents to sober up, but they realize that there isn't a strong chance of that happening. There's a place of some real despair. There's a Michigan woman charged with collecting welfare after she had gained a million dollar million dollar lottery and she was found dead. 25 years of age. Died of a drug overdose. A rich man, German billionaire Adolf Merkel. One of the richest men in the world back in the early 2000s, Forbes 2007 rich, uh, he was number 44 in the richest. Some bad things and some bad some issues in financial uh, pitfalls had happened wherein he lost a tremendous amount of wealth. He was still quite wealthy. He went from number 44 to number 94 on the Forbes list and he would end up committing suicide. His fortune had gone from $12.8 billion to $9.2 billion. He was so depressed that he ended his life. Christian, do you realize the privilege you have in Christ Jesus? The hope you have. Realize this, that you are the bearer of Christ. You carry his spirit with you. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 8. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Before him I told the dream, saying... So here in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And Daniel interprets it, and he says, listen, you have the spirit of the holy gods. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you ever wonder how Christians make it through such turmoil? Why is the gospel such good news? I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 10. Is Jesus really good news? Is he far and above all other? Is, Jesus, is your Jesus real? I mean, does he impact how you make your daily decisions? In Romans chapter 10, verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, you know what that means? Anyone I don't care what culture, I don't care if you're man or woman, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That preacher there is a proclaimer. We're all preachers. We're all proclaim the message. If you profess Jesus Christ, you're a preacher. You proclaim God's word. And how shall they preach, except they be sent as is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People need to hear the gospel. The jailer was going to kill himself. Doors are open. Freedom is at hand. What is the world's need? I mean, our world is not becoming a better place. Would you look with me at John chapter 14, though. For the believer, I'm preaching to myself this morning. This was a week I I was struggling with several things. and I was just challenged, and and God was working in my heart, and I was really uh, just working through some things. John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So God has said, listen, I'm going to give you a peace, but it's not the world's peace. I'm going to give you a rest, if you would. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He says in John 14, 3 also, just in the same chapter, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's here in John 14, 3. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am There you may be also. You know what he's saying? He said, this life isn't all there is. However many years, 40, 50, 80, 100, however many years, that we have an opportunity to be upon this earth, it's just a blip in eternity. And the proper perspective, as we come into the missions conference, Matthew 9:36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He says, "Listen, people need to know Jesus Christ, but as sheep having no shepherd, they also they need someone to care for. Them. Come alongside. Jesus' actions displayed his deity. I mean, on that cross with the Lord Jesus Christ, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, right? Jesus dies, he gives up the ghost. They feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. I mean, when he dies, there's a massive earthquake. I want you to look with me. We're going to read here Acts sixteen twenty. Verse 19, so Paul and Silas cast a demon out of a young lady. She was tormenting them day in and day out, and they were just like, fine, be done with it. She's annoying us. I mean, she's like, you know, you are the men of God, and day in and day out as they're preaching, they're like, we're done, right? They cast a the demon out of her, and then her masters are all angry. Verse 19 of Acts 16, but when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to, observe, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely." who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. What did they do wrong? They did nothing wrong. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. So, and as you go through here, I mean, they're thrown in prison. They gave a young lady liberty from being demonically possessed. They gave her freedom. And they are persecuted for it. And then, while in prison, under trumped-up charges, they see a jailer in dire distress. There's a man, his name in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've ever read that book, various believers through the years. Germanicus, a young man, but a true Christian, Being delivered to the wild beasts on account of his faith, behaved with such astonishing courage that several pagans became converts to a faith which inspired such fortitude. How could a man have such faith in the midst of trials? In light of such a hopelessness in our world, such strength is available for us as Christians. The question I want to ask you this morning, as I asked you, is Jesus real? Is your Jesus real? Do your lost neighbors, co-workers, utility workers, post office workers, even the rude restaurant clerk, know the kindness of Christ when there's no advantage to be kind? I'm talking to myself on this. When you're cut off or driving behind a very slow driver, do you honk and display frustration. What is the solution, the world's solution? What is the solution for you and I? In Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, it tells us that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Everything we say is going to be looked at by God. The commandments of God, it shows us our sin, right? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, you know, all these, you know, essentially, you know, like the Ten Commandments, that kind of idea. What do they do? They just say, hey, I'm not perfect, God is, (laughs) I'm guilty, right? That's what it does, essentially. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How do I overcome the guiltiness of the law? My faith, right? Now, if I don't have faith in Jesus Christ, what is the reality I need to see? Hell. In Luke 16, 23... The rich man in hell, rich man in Lazarus, Luke 16, 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He would go on to say, dip the tip of your finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this place. Hell is real. Matthew 9, 44. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched forever. Matthew 10, 28, the latter portion will destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 25, 46, it calls it everlasting punishment. Ma- Revelation 20, verse 15, a lake of fire forever. Forever. Now, gentleman John Harper would understand the reality of hell. He understood the pain of the right, the North Atlantic waters. They were very cold. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. I want us to understand the futility of man-made religion. If, if the biblical Jesus, the, the Jesus from the Bible, that ought to be how I'm serving Jesus. That ought to be the mindset, Right? But many times we get this idea of Jesus in this box that is not conform to what we see in the Scriptures. And you have, all of us, have a responsibility to look at the Scriptures and say, who was Christ and what I had to do? Jesus calls us to be a disciple, a follower of himself. Matthew 7, and 23, Many will say to me, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? I mean, they're up preaching. In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. I mean, people think, wow, that's really a, you know, a person of God. Then will I profess to them, I never knew you, depart from me, that work iniquity. Just because the works may appear like they're of God does not necessarily mean they are just because we're doing things in the name of God does not mean we know him we must put our faith in Jesus Christ James 4:14 4, tells us that life is a vapor what is our responsibility as a believer We must see that others have struggled, and they've also succeeded. In James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Look with me at Proverbs 24. Psalms, Proverbs, look with me at Proverbs 24, a very, very important passage of Scripture, all the Bible is important. Proverbs chapter 24, we'll look at verses 10 through 12. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, I want you to notice with me what he's calling us to. He says, if thou faint. When would you normally faint? In the day of adversity, it says. If thou faint in the day of adversity, verse 10, Proverbs 24, if thou faint in the day of adversity, what does he say? Thy strength is small. He's not saying, well, you went through a really hard time. No, he says, your strength is small. If thou forbear means you fail to bear up under while in the affliction to deliver them that are drawn into death and those that are ready to be slain. You know, when we're in adversity, I'll, I'll put my hand up there. You know when I'm going through a hard time and someone says, hey, can you come help me? What's my, my natural reaction is, uh, no, <laughs> I don't want to. I'm too tired. I have enough going on in my life I just, I can't help you right now. You're just too much of a burden. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn to death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it. Well, I didn't know. Noth not he that pondereth the heart consider it and he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Life's not about you. God wants you. You know what? There's times that someone, and I've had it in my life, God says, I want you to go do this. And every part of me inside is saying, I don't want to do it. I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. I'm too fill in the blank. But I know in my spirit I'm supposed to do it. And I don't want to do it. I'm resting upon my own strength. I must settle my foundation to trust God even if I don't understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God says, you know what, I'm going to allow you to go through some troubles, and I'm going to allow you to do it so that someone in the future, you know how to comfort them. You know how to explain how I comforted you so that God can comfort them. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. And whether we be afflicted is for your consolation and salvation. And the verse goes on. And as a Christian, I need to settle to be different. I mean, Paul and Silas were different. In prison, shackles on their chain, you know, shackles on their ankles and their hands, and they're singing. We must settle to stand on the truth of God's word, to speak the truth in Christ. Proverbs 22, 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It is, the foundation is God. Number two, keep the heart clean. Confess your faults. James five sixteen. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Bible is saying, you know, Psalm 51, David, as he's repenting of his sin of killing uh, Uriah and sleeping with Bathsheba, his wife, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Keep your heart clean. And I've got to... You know what we have to daily battle? You know what i got to daily battle? i got to battle my own selfishness. I'm a selfish person. I struggle with it daily. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus and his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. If your Jesus is... If, is your Jesus real? Is he biblical? It's not about me. And that is a very challenging thing because we're so used to living for ourselves. Our daughter, I've never once had to teach her to be selfish. Never once. Quite the contrary. <laughs> You're like, no, you need to have a good attitude. No, you get it, right? What is the Bible? You know, all these things. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 5.15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, first second Corinthians, second Corinthians five fifteen. Second Corinthians five fifteen. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for Him day in and day out. Now, look with me at the next passage of Scripture. I'm going to have to hasten here for the sake of time this morning, but look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll read this. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. 1 Peter 2.20 for what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto unto ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his step, who did no sin. Neither was guile, that word guile means deceit, found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, right, he, they laugh at him, make fun of him, libel, right, public slander. Reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. The, the act, realize that our struggle displays Christ. And Jesus Christ tasted death for every man, he paid my penalty. And the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 4 calls us to put away the distractions of idols. 1 Peter chapter 4, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God, it tells us. We ought to live for God. The world is hurting and searching for hope. The jailer was hurting and searching for hope. Paul and Silas, they said, I'm not living for my, my desires and my wants. I'm not living selfishly. I'm in prison because of preaching Christ. Shouldn't that be enough to not have to lead a jailer to the Lord and just run. I'm free. I mean, my shackles, chains fell off. This has got to be of God. Let's run. And in their very past stands a man who's moments away from entering into eternity. Are we going to be a true disciple of Christ living and showing Christ despite our trials, or will we live in our self-pity? In conclusion, there's a man who cried, I want that! He was speaking of peace. You have an opportunity tonight, this, tonight is the, the quote I'm reading here, to meet the God of all peace, the God who wants to come and give the, you peace and joy of a loving God who promises never to leave you only if you will only repent of your sins and realize that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation, the only means of true peace with God. You must realize life is short. Jesus Christ is the only way. He came to give victory over sin. He came so that the power of sin would not have to dominate me. Now, I still struggle with it on a daily basis, right? We all do. We all, oftentimes, we find ourselves Romans chapter 7, right? Apostle Paul. What I want to do, I don't find myself doing. And what I don't want to do, I find... You know, kind of that (laughs) that, that... We find ourselves there. But there's that battle with the flesh. We live in a world that needs to be evangelized. A world that needs to know Jesus. We must stay focused... On our task and our commission, we must ask and settle these questions. Number one, is Jesus really the answer? As the Bible states, to this world's problems? Yes or no? Most many people would say yes. So I want to ask you: is missions or evangelism somebody else's job, or is it yours? It's all of ours. Do you see the need of this world? Or is your own little world the only thing that matters? Is evangelism your desires? Or is it the pastor's or someone else's responsibility? It's not my responsibility. Do you walk with God so that you can fulfill your mission? What I mean by walking with God is there's a daily time as I open up the Word of God And I meditate on his word. A meditation is simply, I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm really thinking about how do I apply it to life? How does that, you know, what is this saying? What does it mean? And I often tell people, I said a good way to meditate is to write it down. My mind wanders so much, it's good to write it down. And it's a good reminder. And as you go back and look at your journals, you kind of see yourself spiritually uh, maturing. And the application of all of this is there a settledness in my mind that I'm going to serve God no matter what? I'm going to ask Him for help through the tough times so that we can be a light to those without hope. Are we willing to let God show us weaknesses in our lives so that I can be an example and comfort to others? Is this your Jesus or is He merely theological knowledge? Psalm 27, 1. The last verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Paul and Silas, as they sat in prison for the crime of preaching Jesus. And yet they would sing songs. and they reached the heart of a man, the jailer. And that jailer and his whole family would end up putting faith in Jesus Christ. None of that would have happened had Paul and Silas been a woe is me, I'm getting out of here mentality. We must rest upon God so that God can reach out to others. Ask you this morning, is your Jesus real? If he is real, we know he is personally, but I'm asking you, is he real in the fact that it affects how you live every day? Because that's the reality of our faith, right? It's a demonstration of what God has already done on the inside. If I love my wife and I said I do on the altar, coming on 13 years ago. It'll be in May, 13 years. You know what? It ought to change my relationship with her. And it has. As I put my faith in Jesus, it ought to change my relationship of how I live for Him. And so this morning, are the troubles and struggles you go through in your life in your mind, a means to more effectively show people that Jesus is real. Second of all, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never entered into a personal relationship with Him by simple faith. Just ask Him to forgive you. Be your Savior. Trusting that He forgave you of all the wrong you've ever done. And simply before God. I'm guilty. God, would you forgive me? I am so sorry. And my friend, if you'll do that, You'll be gloriously born again. Missions is about showing to the world that Jesus is real. So we come to the time of invitation with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. We'll have a time of quietness, no music playing today. I just want to challenge you, is your Jesus real? Is your walk with God real wherein others would see Jesus, as you live your life. When you're done praying, feel free to look up, and uh, we will conclude in prayer. pretty sobering, the thought of John Harper. (laughs) What a love for Jesus and a love for others. His daughter would go on to love the Lord and and, uh, serve Him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, how selfish we really are. Father, how often, even the Proverbs 24 passage, Lord, the faint of the day, adversity, thy strength is small, how str- weak and small my faith so often is. Lord, strengthen our faith that we could encourage others. Lord, I pray in this year an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ. See someone, bow their head and place faith in Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, as we come into our missions conference this Thursday, God, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see the need of the world and to see the need and see the answer of Jesus. God, I pray that we would live our lives in a way that would show your glory, irrespective of the adversity and trials we're going through. Lord, I love you. Thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.